Plundergrounds, number 103, Rulings and Rules. Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hey Ray, it's Che from Roleplay Rescue. I've just been listening to your Light Rules episode and thank you so much for doing that. It was an excellent listen, really thought-provoking, really interesting. Uh, I had a question though. I I honestly didn't understand something and I just wondered if you could uh, just expand a little bit more. So the, the statement was made that uh, games, games masters, as they develop the system, need to make some consistent rulings, and obviously over time they develop some consistent rulings. Um, but this was kind of implied to be different from a rule, and I, I genuinely don't understand. To me, semantically equivalent, a consistent ruling. If I'm going to be transparent with my players and I write it down, it's a rule, and I, and I'm really struggling with that concept. So I just I wondered if, um, you know, you could help me out with that clear that up because seriously I, I i don't see the difference but maybe i'm just mad game on man brilliant stuff thank you thank you for that call in che that is such an excellent question that it made me go to the mic right away <laughs> it got me all fired up because i think it's such a great topic to talk about if you don't know Shay's role play rescue podcast you should it's an amazing podcast that is well-produced. It's always brutally honest, and it's often very thought-provoking. Certainly got me going uh, a number of times in my head, really questioning things about role-playing and why I play and how to constantly sort of reinvent or uh, re-energize myself in regards to role-playing. So just a, a really good listen. So rulings not rules is one of those bits of new old school vernacular that often gets tossed out and hardly ever explained you're just supposed to know what that means and i think that chase question is fantastic in that it gets to the heart of that a lot of people don't really know what that means and i had to stop and think about what that means how i would explain it to somebody what's the difference once you make a ruling isn't it a rule my answer is no it's not Uh, I believe a ruling is a practice and that the difference between a ruling and a rule is the difference between a practice and a process. And I'm going to do my best to explain that. A fixed rule is a prescribed process. It's a largely inflexible way of doing a thing in a role-playing game. A ruling is how you have agreed to handle that thing at the table and it will be put into practice as long as and only as long as it makes sense and everyone thinks that it's a good ruling. It's like language I guess in that it's an ever-evolving thing but it evolves slowly and it's based on common usage. So the nice thing about it is that it's not it's not fixed um, it's just a common understanding that can shift either gradually or dramatically over time. Uh, Let me tackle it a different way and say that I think that um, rulings come from rules, but rulings shouldn't become rules, if that makes sense. What I mean is that a a really good set of rules, one that is coherent and intuitive, will help you make rulings. When an unusual situation arises, you can make a ruling that is consistent with the rules even though the rules don't directly address it. And if that situation only comes up every dozen sessions or so, then why add it to the rule book? 
Why, you know, create more rules? Also, uh, there's always a number of other factors in play. And maybe the next time that situation comes up, it may look familiar, but it may actually be quite different from the time it came up before. And so the ruling has the ability to, to flex and adapt more easily than a rule does. I uh, probably need to provide an example at this point because all that gets a little abstract. And I know, Che, that you recently, on your podcast, foregrounded a discussion that you had with players about fatigue and interrupted rest cycles. You know, how many hours of sleep does someone really need to perform optimally? And uh, more conversely, what does missing a few hours sleep actually do to your performance level? So if there's a rule in the book, um, you can certainly apply that rule to every situation. It sometimes might seem a little unfair because it's not flexible. Whereas a ruling, how you generally handle that thing gives you a default stance that you can flex. But uh, if we're talking about a party of characters that is trying to operate on little or no sleep, let's think about some of the other factors that could come into play. Were they well-rested the day before? Um, have they just come off of a week of sleeping in inns, you know, and, and hanging around and basically doing whatever they want? Or have they been in the wild for days on end? Uh, did they eat recently? How's the weather? Is it sunny outside or shitty? Um, and maybe a more, more important question, is fatigue an important part of the story right now? Um, or is that a distraction? What about if the group is super motivated by some desperate purpose to perform well, or if they're just trying to slog from one place to another? All those things, you know, your mental state, the weather, the the um, what what you did last, like you know what your how, how well rested you were the day before. All those could come into play as factors. And I guess my point is that I would rather have a mechanical underpinning for how to treat conditions and then decide as a GM when to apply them based on the situation than to have a prescribed sequence where I have to check every day to see how many hours of sleep that the party got. It's easier and faster, I think, to um, to wait until the thought hits you, uh, you know, hey, you guys have been hitting it pretty hard lately and you barely got any sleep last night. I think you might be fatigued than it is to just you know, to keep a record every every party day of how many hours they got uh, the night before and whether or not they get a mechanical bonus or penalty as a result. Uh, maybe that's not the greatest example, so I'll try to think of another one. Um, let's see about uh, maybe... Perf- no, let's, uh, let's take fall... Uh, you know what? Here's a good one. Falling damage. Falling damage in uh, D&D, basically... I know in, in third edition... Oh, I know. This just came up, actually, in 5th edition, so I know this one. Uh, You take D6 bludgeoning damage for every 10 feet, which is... I think that's been common for most of the editions. Uh, You take the damage when you hit the ground, not while you're falling. (laughs) And and when you hit the ground, you end up prone. I think that's the, the gist of the rules. Never mind that it's obvious and probably doesn't need to be written down that you end up prone or that the damage is bludgeoning. I mean, that's kind of, you know... I guess it's nice to have it stated in the rules, but that just means there's more rules, right? Uh, And whereas that could have just been assumed, but, you know, there's situations that come up. What if I fall 10 feet into deep water? Am I really going to take D6 bludgeoning damage from falling into water from from 10 feet? Um, What if I fall onto sharp, pointy rocks? Is that bludgeoning damage or did I get pierced by something? What if I manage to slow my fall by grabbing a limb on the way down or... 
Um, what if I take damage during the fall, if I'm battering against the sides of a rock chimney or something? And is, is there any chance that I'll be knocked out? You know, none of those things are accounted for by the coal rule. So um, as a GM, I would either have to adapt the rule on, on, on the fly and make a ruling. And if I did that, I might risk the players not liking the fact that I'm varying from the rule. Whereas if it was uh, un, un, unaddressed by the rules in a specific sense, but they gave me something like damage bans, if the, if the rules said, you know, D6 damage is cuts and bruises, 2D6 is things that would break a bone or rupture organs, and 3D6 is a potentially lethal blow, you know, or just uh, said light, medium, and heavy damage or something like that, then I can, uh, then I can take the situation and apply that, that rule, I can extrapolate that rule to a lot more situations than to have a specific rule for falling damage that may be, de- may be different from the rule for drowning or the rule for, I don't know, tripping and falling or uh, the rule for something hitting you in the head. I, if you have a rule for all of those things, you have a pretty thick rule book. But if you have one generic thing that says, oh, here's how you handle incidental damage, right? And uh, adjust it as you need it. That allows you to make rulings more effectively. And you're not in contradiction for the rules when you make them. Once we've made that rule, um, you know, it's it's an interesting question, right? Um, once we make the ruling, well, first of all, in the process of making the ruling, there's usually a discussion at the table. So I can say as the GM, oh, okay, you're going to take 2d6 damage. Uh, and a player can go, really? From that? You know, like, remember, I'm an elf. I, I've got cat-like graces. Can I land on my feet maybe even after I take the damage or uh, kind of grab something on the way down? And then you get a chance to kind of, you know, invent uh, things on the fly, like maybe give them a dex check to grab something on the way down to slow their fall. So then they take a D6 damage or, um, you know, they can always say like, hey, the last time we fell this far, it was only one D6 damage. What's the difference? I can say, well, now you're falling on the hard rock or, or you're right. You know what? We, okay. It's D6 damage. It is, um, you know, what's, or you, I could say to the table, what's fair, everybody, what do you think? Cause you know, what are we going to do from here on out? Um, but once we make the ruling, once we all kind of agree on the ruling, uh, and it's, and it's, you know, I'm emphasizing agreement at the table. There are some people that will just say, no, the GM decides straight up. And I think a lot of times the GM leads by deciding and then the players can discuss it. But that's, that's my opinion. Um, so once we've made that ruling, we could write it down and make it into a rule. But if we do that, um, we're making a rule that's based on a specific situation. Whereas I think most rules that are written down that, that come to you before you make rulings are uh, just, uh, most rules are rulings that were made in a generic situation. In other words, that falling rule in D&D 5e is assuming a basic fall. It assumes you fall onto a hard surface. It assumes you fall directly down without hitting things on the way down. It, it's assuming a, um, a kind of a, in a vacuum kind of deal, right? And so the rule comes from an in a vacuum ruling and it's made to be adjusted, but having written it down, it doesn't feel as adjustable. In, in the end, I think the primary difference is how much gets written down, where that writing originates and how often it matters. A rule book is written by someone not sitting at the table, unless the designer's in the room, of course, and it has the advantage of impartiality, but it has the disadvantage of requiring buy-in from the group and the disadvantage that it has to be adapted to fit specific situations. It also has the disadvantage that it has to be looked up if it can't be kept in memory, and the more rules there are, obviously, the harder it is to keep them all in your memory. A ruling is a living, breathing practice at the table. 
it has the advantage of being adaptable and uh, hopefully it has group investment. If it's a seemly rule, it also has the advantage that's easy to remember. In other words, if it's a rule that makes sense, if a rule, if it's a rule that is in basic alignment with, uh, sorry, if it's a ruling, <laughs> here's where I'm, st- I'm starting to get the, the terms mixed up. If it's a ruling that is based on uh, common sense and ba- it seems like it is extrapolated from the basic rules, then it's easy to remember. And um, But a ruling has the disadvantage that it can sometimes feel inconsistent if it's flexed too much. So I don't know, to kind of cap it all up, I'd say a rule is something written down that addresses an in-game event, hopefully a common one, um, and uh, is kind of a vacuum-like situation. It's regardless of situational factors. Uh, or if it's not regardless of situa- situational factors, then the rule becomes quite complex as it tries to predict all those factors and what to do in response to each. Whereas a ruling is a practice that's used at the table. It's not written down, or it is, if it is written down, it's just jotted down in some notes, and it's impermanent, and uh, it's written to address in-game events, but hopefully ones that don't come up all the time. So, you know, a, uh, I would never make a rule for something that comes up every eight sessions, but I would get uncomfortable making a ruling for something that comes up every session or even every scene, right? If it's coming up that often, it probably needs to be a rule. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a practice. Like I said, there's a practice that's used at the table. It, um, hopefully doesn't come up all the time and it can be easily adapted to the situation. And that's how I see it. I, I realize that that's, you know, kind of a, a personal take on things. That's what I think of when I think a ruling's not rules. Somebody else might explain it quite differently, but I do think there's an important distinction there and it's about, allowing the game to evolve on some level if the more the more rulings get ossified into rules the less adaptable and changeable they are and the less people will experiment with them or come up with different ways of doing it there might be an entirely different way of handling falling damage that would be more interesting like what if you treat the ground as an attacker <laughs> and or or the cliffside as an attacker and uh, roll to hit against the um, the person in armor? I mean, that sounds crazy, but why not? I mean, there's different ways to handle falling, and nobody will ever invent a different way if there's a rule sitting there that says, nope, it's D6 for every 10 feet, right? Uh, and that's why I think that that is one reason I think rulings are important is because it allows the game to evolve and change. The other reason I think it's important is because that um, human beings have only so much capacity for keeping things in memory at any given time. And it's uh, I don't want the experience at the role playing table where I'm constantly looking things up or where I can only play with people who have memorized the, you know, 200 pages that matter in the rule book. So I would rather work with a rule book that gives me strong basic principles and then allows me to extrapolate from those principles on the fly at the table without consulting anything to make the game, uh, you know, to keep the game present, to keep the game in the moment at the table and as much as possible to stay in the fiction. 
Uh, that's obviously slanted language. That's my prejudice. Uh, you may prefer rules. You may like the impartiality of rules or the detail of rules. You may love memorizing rules, and your players may love that too. So I realize that's a this is a personal hot take on uh, rulings, not rules. But that's that's where I'm coming from. And uh, if I didn't explain that well in the last podcast, I'm sure I didn't. If I sort of leaned heavily on that idea of rulings, not rules, in my last podcast, then I'm really grateful to you for calling in to give me a chance to kind of explain that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, Che. So, um, you know, let's have a bit of a dialogue if you want uh, asynchronously through our podcasts. If if it's something you want to address in a podcast, I'd love to hear your take on why rules matter and um, why it's important to have, you know, consistent rules or something like, I don't know, whatever whatever it is about my take on it that uh, that you agree with or disagree with, I'd love to hear. Hey, look at that. Another episode of Plundergrounds and an easy one for me, um, all based on a listener question. So I really love when you guys call in and feed my brain with ideas and and make me a better gamer and a better thinker as a result. Thank you so much. Hope you all have a great day. I'm Ray Otis signing off. You can find my projects at www.rayotis.com. The opening theme song is by Logan Howard of the excellent Swordbreaker zine and podcast. And until next time, look out for rest monsters.